0: Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly Up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, as we continue our tour through the 1980s NFL, I always wondered why the dominant Chicago Bears never won more than one single Super Bowl. What happened after that 85 season? You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. Okay, I'm ready. It's time. We got a lot to get to. I got all these papers. So let's get started. <laughs> NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you guys and gals. And if you already know this stuff, congratulations, but there's always someone who does not. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to do three things, that is enlighten, teach, and learn. That's not limited to me. I'm always learning, all right? I don't know everything okay this is the behind the mic podcast i am your host michael Neal Jr., your humble host and this show is presented by belly up sports the belly Up sports podcast networks bellyupsports.com go to it click on it listen to the shows and watch the uh the, the shows on youtube and also read the articles great articles great content for every sport imaginable uh, maybe not um you know Stuff that you saw on dodgeball, but yeah, football, basketball, uh, baseball, basketball, not basketball, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, um, foot, college football. We have it. Okay. We have it. You can catch all of these shows on our home base, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. All right. So, um, First of all, I have to say, yes, congratulations to my UT Vols. We finally beat Alabama for the first time in 15 years. Uh, Congratulations. Blow the party. Get get out the party hats. Blow the, uh, you know, the horns and the the party whistles, the little things that roll out when you blow on them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy. But we still have to beat Georgia. So it's not over. We got over probably the biggest hump. Um, But uh, the bigger one actually would have to be Georgia. Georgia's the top team in all the land. I think they're beatable, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But, again, uh, this is an NFL show. Let's get to it. I had to throw that in there. You know, you Alabama um, fans that, yeah, I mean, I understand you're like this. Bravo. You finally did it. All right, look, just let me have my moment, okay? Let our Tennessee fans have our moment. <laughs> Just let us have it. All right, let's get to it. The rundown week five, Thursday night football, commanders at Bears. Almost turned the game off. Maybe I should have. I'm kind of glad I didn't because I was really tired, but it was a mistake field game. Not a ho- whole lot of offense. Uh, it was a 12 to seven final and the commanders won the game. But the Bears offense, I mean, they had multiple chances of scoring touchdowns and they, they blew it. You know, They had the long, pass from field to Dante Pettis what was a 40 yard touchdown and other than that it was nothing Bupkis, all right. so the game was uh, it was a snoozer and they were up, you saw the Chicago fans, they were celebrating and then Vellis Jones muffs a punt pretty much gift wrap uh, Brian Robinson, speaking of Alabama <laughs> the rookie running back scored his first NFL touchdown and that was it, boom bang pow yeah they got the ball back, they tried and it just didn't work out it okay, didn't work out. They came, what, one yard short. Uh, was it Darnell Mooney? He almost got in. And, yeah, it just didn't happen. Wasn't in the cards. Wasn't in the cards. Um, <laughs> that's what it was. They got another L. Bears got to fix the offensive line still. And you got to run the football. Man. Patriots at Browns. Let's go to those early Sunday morning games. Well, not, we had no London games. I think we got Munich this week in Germany. I think so. Yeah. All right, browns uh they hosted the patriots the browns got the brakes beat off of them and yes zappy mania bailey zappy uh my, my nephew was at uh he was there at the house sunday he goes to western kentucky he said, oh, man i know that name he's a freshman at western kentucky yes yeah, the same dude that was quarterback of them last year he keeps up with college football the kid threw two t- touchdowns he had 300 yards he looks good for the most part belichick knows how to draft he tied George Hallis for the number two all-time uh, in wins with 324. Don Schuh number one with 347. Will he catch him? Probably. I don't see Belichick retiring anytime soon. And he really didn't want that football as a gift. I don't even remember the guy, the long-haired guy, the Ricky. Yeah, he didn't want that football. Come on, man. Bengals at Saints. Andy Dalton played against the Bengals. I mean, is this the first time? I mean, I. I mean he playing against his old team. I mean, he, he's had better days. Um, he's the backup for the Saints. And I mean, you you only do so much. And uh the Saints, they're, they're really trying to figure out things at quarterback right now. And I'm talking about not Dalton, but the offense for the Saints. And they had to lead a majority of the game. This was Joe Burrow's first game back in the dome, right? Since the national championship, he showed up to the game wearing a symbol of what was to come. Yeah, the game-worn LSU National Championship jersey of his teammate Jamar Chase. And that 60-yard catch and run that Chase had in the fourth quarter to take the lead for good. That was a stamp on the forehead of the Saints fans in the Superdome who gave up a, a couple of booze. Boo Birds came out a little bit for Joe Burrow. Ha, gotcha. 30 to 26. Bucks at Steelers. Okay, I, I kind of had a feeling that it was a, a possibility that Pittsburgh could win the game because the Bucks had been really uh, you know, if I go back through the games. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have just been kind of playing a little bit too too many tight games. What was it? Last week they almost lost to the Falcons. Probably had a had a chance to lose to the Falcons. And if you look at their schedule, they beat the Cowboys. They couldn't score, but did they score one touchdown? Right, 19 to three. And then they played the Saints, 20 to 10. Oh, hum. Uh, the Packers, they they lose to them, uh, 14 to 12. The offense has just not been great. Not been great. The Chiefs, they put it on the Bucs, even though the Bucs, they scored 31 points. And like I said, last week, the Falcons had a chance to come back and beat them, and it just wasn't in the cards because they, Jerome Berger, Boger decided to throw a roughing the penalty, roughing the passer penalty against Brady Jack, uh, Brady, Grady Jarrett. Brady, no, not Brady. Brady Jarrett. Brady gets fined for kicking the guy after the game, after the sack. 11,000? Yeah, he's got it. He probably went in the seat cushions of his car and went on and just threw it at him anyway uh that was the birds game that was weird i'm trying to figure out what was on the field you had all these birds that were on the field in pittsburgh kenny pickett okay he gets knocked out with the concussion i'm thinking oh god you know mitchell Trubisky's is back right they still can't run the football but pittsburgh's defense and they don't allow brady and the Bucs, that two-point conversion to tie the game at 20. So we won the game. The Steelers won the game 20-18. to 18. But you had the last drive where he had back-to-back 3rd and longs. We were having to throw the football. I keep saying we because I'm a Steelers fan, okay? I'm trying to get out of that. I just can't. All right, I can't do it. But, I mean, they, they complete them. Trubisky, he completes the balls, and we move the football. But they have to run the football. But I think your boy had 42. Najee Harris had 42 yards rushing. It's just not its not great. But thanks, Mitchell Trubisky. 49ers at the Falcons. I hate to say this, but it's true. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing the ball 41 times. That's not good. That means Kyle Shanahan isn't able to do what he really likes to do, which is run the football. Mariano and those Falcons, they did throw. He only threw for like 100 and some yards. But, I mean, it was a 14-14 game early. And, you know, two touchdowns later. That defense, they gave up a lot. I don't know if they were just starting to come down off of a high but the 49ers are still good i'm not worried about them but man (laughs) uh yeah jimmy g you can't if you want to beat them make him throw the football and just stuff the run but it does not help when jimmy g throws two interceptions and you have to scoop and score on on a jeff wilson fumble and then it's pitcher time for the defensive backs and the defense in the back of the end zone so that doesn't help and speaking of defense Jets at the Packers. Ooh, we. The Jets are real. And I, I must say, part of it is because the Packers are struggling so much offensively. The offensive line is shaky and the receivers are young. They miss Devontae Adams. I mean, that's what it is. That's what it is. They are missing Devontae Adams. 15 straight wins at home for the Packers came to an end on Sunday with Aaron Rodgers as the starting quarterback. Robert Sala. Has that Jets defense right. You got Quinn Williams, Sauce Gardner, the rookie cornerback, CJ Mosley. They got some stars in the making. You know what I mean? And speaking of sauce, you had to know it wasn't gonna be a good day. The first pass, I was sitting there when it happened, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, it was it was a pick six, and it was a fluke type play where I can't remember, was it Robert Tanyan, whoever had it? The ball came right off his hands as he's going to the ground it was a low throw and it bounces up in there if you didn't see it and then sauce just snatches it up and like i said again it's picture time in the back of the end zone Brees hall he's really leading that Jets offense running the football um zach wilson he's the quarterback didn't have any touchdown passes but they did they did things on all phases of the game you had the block punt for return for a touchdown you have a scoop and score i mean a, a pick six and Brees Hall is running the football. Had his first 100-yard game. 27 to 10. Robert Saleh didn't know this. Beat his best friend Matt Lafleur. Yeah, they were both each other's best man in the in their weddings, respectively. Ravens at Giants. Speaking of New York, wow. The Giants' defense is nothing to play with either. Week Martindale knows the Ravens. He knows Lamar Jackson. Just like Lamar Jackson should know. The Ravens, uh, the, Jet, the Giants defense, the tendencies of his defensive coordinator should know a little bit about that. But if you play, this is one of the thoughts I had. If you play tight end, the place to play is with Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson, we talked about him some of my buddies of mine at work. And I'm like, man, this guy, he can't keep being this inaccurate going this far. He's got to fix it. He's throwing simple out patterns and I don't remember the guy's name, number 84. He's having to make two supposedly spectacular catches in the game where he's diving, and both of them ended up incomplete because the ball hit the ground. But you're, he's wide open. Just throw it at a spot, and let him catch it and run. And he's not doing it. Then he turns around and he throws a dime. It's, it's, it's frustrating watching Lamar, and he's one of the most gifted quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. He's got the arm strength, the inaccuracy, um, it, the consistency in it is just not there he's got he's got he's to continue to improve i believe he will hopefully he will um but man uh that's what it was the giants got their first interception of the season off of lamar and that pretty much sealed it it sealed their doom and uh you know all i could think of after the giants got that football was they better score a touchdown do not allow lamar jackson to pull a couple of first downs out of his butt with his legs and allow Justin Tucker to kick another game winner. Wink Martindale, like I said, the longtime defensive coordinator for the Ravens, he knows Lamar, and not only did, did he know him, the D, his defense won, Martindale won. All right, the Giants they forced a fumble on that you know, bad snap, and he throws the interception. And after that, they first forced a fumble uh, on Lamar, and then that was a wrap. It was a wrap. Jags at the Colts, Colts fans, y'all been fasting and praying you have to be and y'all got the Jaguars back they were down what 27 to 26 17 seconds left Matt Ryan he throws the the uh, game winner to Alec Pierce and that was it (laughs) Ryan 42 of 58 389 yards those 42 completions I thought Peyton Manning had done that before but that was a franchise record wow that's 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 crazy I thought Peyton had done something like that Vikings at the at the Dolphins, okay, you're watching this game. You're thinking, okay, the Vikings can't score. I even see someone on Twitter say, how are the Vikings 4-1? They're playing a lot of close games. They're, they're playing a lot of close games. They were 5-1 after this week. Well, excuse me. that uh, They're 4-1 now. They were 3-1 going in. And it's like, man, they just keep winning these games. They find a way. No tour for the Dolphins just yet. Bridgewater, he's the backup. Third stringer, Skylar Thompson, you're up. He, I don't know what he does what he rips up his hand some kind of way he can't come back bridgewater's in there he throws for 300 some yards Tariq Hill had a buck 77 it wasn't enough Mike Gusecki all right so Justin Jefferson was in the building Justin Jefferson should have immediately ran I don't care if it was a flag or not immediately run out on the field look dude no stop 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 Mike Gusecki this is how you do it give him a lesson right then and there or at, at some point give him a lesson on the gritty During a TV timeout or something, stop it. Pre game, they should have got together. Hey, look, don't do this. Don't, I don't know what that is. I I don't know. I really don't. Anyway, (laughs) the Vikings won the game. That's all you need to know if you don't know. Afternoon Slake, Panthers at the Rams. So, of course, I'm watching Red Zone and I was wondering why they kept, they were showing at one point the Panthers receivers turned out to be on one side of the screen and then they were circling, circling another guy. Who was sitting on the cooler with a cap on? Apparently, that was Robbie Anderson. With that bad hair that he has, when he doesn't have a, when he has the hat on, I have no idea who he is. Yeah, he looks he looks god awful with that hair. I hate that hairstyle. But that's him. Do you? Uh, of course, he gets to arguing. He hadn't had any targets, didn't catch any balls, and he goes in the face of wide receiver coach Joe Daly. They're obviously going back and forth, and at some point, Steve Wilkes, who was the fill in. Head coach who was a one-time head coach filling in for matt rule who has been got the boot he sends him to the locker room look just go i read in another place since he has been since traded to the arizona cardinals and of course they are just now getting their star receiver uh uh d hop is back but he gets traded he basically said he didn't do nothing i haven't read any other updates at this point today is tuesday the show drops tomorrow morning on wednesday so, I'm going to dive into it and see. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, other than the fact that, hey, look, I'm not being thrown the ball. What's up? But, I mean, anyway, on the other side of that, uh, you know, you got the uh, the Rams. They put some drives together. It was a 10-10 ball game. And the bottom came, felt falls out as usual on the Panthers. And the Rams get the win, 24-10. Christian McCaffrey, he had a great day. Yeah, he's on the trade block, right? So, If nothing has happened to this point, so the Rams, maybe since Cam Akers is now on the block, maybe you give up some stuff less need. You're pretty good at grabbing superstars from other teams. Just a hint. Cardinals at Seahawks, I'm proud of Geno Smith. Two teams trying to get to 500. The Cardinals, you got to stop playing from behind. It's not going to work all the time. Yeah, not going to work. It's just not. So, I mean, maybe Robbie Anderson d hop being back maybe that'll help the offense a little bit because they're sub 500 without d hop so hopefully uh robbie anderson knows okay that's the number one guy over there number 10 is number one and you maybe you're number two but don't play like number two we need you to help us but as far as Geno smith is concerned Geno smith he's leading the league i think stealing completion percentage and quarterback rating i'm proud of this guy i'm rooting for this guy now actually came off of saying look this guy's a backup quarterback but he's finally at a, with a good team i just got through talking to my brother about this they finally have a good team and they're finally doing some things um you know uh, that 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 are catered to his strengths sometimes a better coaching staff helps they got the win on sunday you know here we go and then hollywood brown is going back to the cardinals yeah you do trade for um you trade for robbie anderson i guess uh, because it looks like Hollywood Browns season may be over due to that ankle injury. Literally. Ouch. Um, this needs to be said. Let's see why the Eagles and the Bills were favorites to make the Super Bowl. Of course, the game of the of the day uh, was the Bills at the Chiefs on Sunday. Yeah, Josh Allen, boy, he be tripping. I mean, Chris Jones. Chris Jones be tripping. <laughs> they missed that call. They did. When well, you see how the slow burn happens with teams? How they build? You know? We're not close to the playoffs yet, okay? We're just done with like maybe getting to a fourth of the season, right? So, I mean, what you have now is a team that actually has the pieces put together. You bring in a Von Miller who has two rings. He's got a Super Bowl MVP, and he was the difference in that game on Sunday, and he was all over the field, you know, causing havoc. That's what you, that's what you need in a defender. You, that's a difference maker. And then Josh Allen is playing the way that he plays. And then you have the best team. You're playing probably perhaps the best team in the league in their spot. I know it's regular season, but you go in there and you get a win. You go in there and you're getting the win. And as far as the Chiefs are concerned, I don't care what you say. They miss Tyreek Hill. I want to hear this. They miss Tyreek Hill or they don't miss Tyreek Hill. They miss Tyreek Hill. He was a difference maker in every single game that they've played. Period. You can't replace some people. You just can't the bills they're primed and look you have difference makers on that team uh you have digs i mean gabe davis is doing his thing he may not be catching too many passes but every time he catches one it's a big play you know what i'm saying and von miller on that defense he's got them boys right sunday night football eagles and cowboys okay fourth down to inches all right cd lamb he picked up that one first down but whoop-de-doo you should have punted the football Coaching is an issue, in my opinion, with the Dallas Cowboys. Probably needed to run the football a lot more. Zeke hasn't been that consistent running back and he's been like up and down. They need to run the football. That's that's just what it is. Cooper Rush, he finally looked like a backup quarterback. He threw three touch, three interceptions. Excuse me, excuse me, three interceptions. He played against a, a good defense. He played against two back to back decent defenses. The defense was the was really responsible team effort. My tail. The defense of the Rams showed them what time it was. And if it wasn't for the Dallas Cowboys defense to, against the Rams, they would have had an L then too. So now, you know, the 5-0 guys now 5-1. So I mean put that in this pipe and uh take a puff. So barring injury, the Eagles, obviously, I think they'll run away with the NFC East. As good as the Giants have been, they're not ready yet. They're, they're not ready defensively i think they're still a player away even though i think that that defense as a unit is really really good and i think take Kayvon thibodeau who was a big difference he's the one who forced that fumble on lamar jackson right Kayvon thibodeau uh is, is going to be that guy so they're not there yet and he's just a rookie right so offensively they need that help you can't do it with just saquon barkley and you've got some guys like Wandale, Robinson, whatever, whatever. Well, look what the Eagles did. Not only did their quarterback improve, and Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate. He's not throwing a lot of touchdowns, okay? He's doing more running with the football, but he's actually throwing them. He only threw, what, 155 yards Sunday Sunday night? So, I mean, you have the—even the, um, if he doesn't win the MVP— they have the team that could go to and possibly win a Super Bowl I think that they do have that I think it's the Bills time my personal opinion but as far as the Eagles are concerned they could get there and you have a piece on offense that is the big difference in A.J. Brown yes Devontae Smith Slim Reaper yes love him but A.J. Brown is the difference and they have multiple running backs that can that can take care of the football. And this is a team that still has some of those pieces from their last Super Bowl win. They want it with a backup quarterback. Jalen Hurst playing the way he is, they can do it. Period. Monday night football. I, I, I was so ready to say, man, just imagine uh it, the Broncos didn't have uh, a great defense or a great kicker in Brandon McManus. That was that was they wouldn't be in any of these games. And I was so ready to say it wasn't Russell Wilson's fault. And to a degree, it wasn't. That offensive line is terrible. We had three completions after going 10 for 10 in the first half of the game. Second half is where games are won, man. When you have those adjustments and you see what happens, the Cowboys made a nice run against the Eagles. They outscored them in the second half. 14 to six, Still wasn't enough. But man, um, golly, your boy, uh, Justin Herbert throws fifty-seven passes, doesn't even have a touchdown, and they're in the game. And he's—he was doing a lot more. was, but truth be told, a game with two really, really good defenses. I mean, what are you gonna say? Hard-fought game, but man, they—they have—they have got to wow. Oof, man, the Denver offense, man. Yet you got—you got to get in there. And Melvin Gordon's on the sideline pouting. You know, he's probably about to be traded or cut. One. So, you know, you can't fumble that many times and expect to get in. Three carries, eight yards. Yeah, that's the reason why they brought in Latavius Murray, who his what, fourth or 15, something like that? Yeah, exactly. But anyway, two, two hard-fought games against the two of the toughest defenses in the AFC. And uh, Dustin Hopkins gets the game-winning field goal. I felt bad for that dude. Every kick, he was on the ground, writhing in pain. And I would really like to know what that was around his delay. Um, I might need that, something like that for my knee. Of course, last Thursday, Washington head coach Ron Rivera led his team into Chicago. Uh, his well, He used to play uh, and got a 12-7 win. The Buffalo Bills headed, held it down in Kansas City. They got their 24-20 win in the game. Sealing pick on the, <laughs> to go along with three sacks. Buffalo's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, is the orchestrator of that. Both Rivera and Frazier played on perhaps the greatest defense in NFL history, the 85 Chicago Bears. I just wondered how they broke up. tell you right now i have so much so we're looking at a 40 to 50 minute show today i'm just going to be upfront. i have so much and i couldn't get to it all one thing i had to learn about doing this show is that you don't have to go into too much detail about every little thing because some people like uh they say well you missed this or you didn't talk about that well sometimes i'm going to talk about something in, in that same realm or with that same team like i'm, I'm gonna talk about the actual Super Bowls that these teams won and some of those backstories. I'm going to talk about the stories of the, of the game, the actual game. I'm going to talk about the actual seasons uh, or, or maybe even just the actual, you know, like the 85 Bears defense alone and just going to detail game by game, even going into the Super Bowl. I'm going to talk about stuff in detail. There's just so much that I can't get to all of it. So with that being said, I'm going to start here. Ron Rivera, he actually played nine years for Chicago. I was supposed to do uh, this show the opening day of the NFL season, the first week when the Bills, they blew out the Rams on Thursday night. So the camera often went to Buffalo's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier. The Buffalo defense, we know how great that they were that day. Von Miller gets his old team. Yeah, they got their Super Bowl rings or whatever, whatever. And then Von Miller embarrassed his old team that he played, what, the won season four, but they won the Super Bowl together. That's something special. Frazier was the starting corner for the Bears uh, from, what was it, 81 to 85, I think it was. And he played there five years. His five years, I mean, his last three, just check out these numbers. He had seven interceptions for 135 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that was in 83. 84, he had five picks for 89 yards. In 85, the Super Bowl season, he had six picks for 119 yards in a touchdown. He was well on his way. I mean, pretty good corner. I mean, they The one thing about the 46 defense that was installed by their defensive coordinator, Buddy Ryan, is that it was a blitzing defense that put their corners on an island. A lot of times, there was only three guys back there covering. You had receivers that were running open, but they could not be seen. Because Dan Hampton, Mike Singletary, Otis Wilson, Richard did. They're all on your face. They're on your forehead before you can even cock your arm to throw the football. So it, it was a defense that was dominant um, just as much up front. Okay, And I had to ask myself, though, when I thought about i say the 85 chicago bears what did i think of i thought about the 46 defense sweetness walter payton a quarterback that boomed a helicopter to show off his his uh supposed injury that everybody kept asking him about yeah jim mcmahon Roselle headband that he won because of the um uh the, the fan the fine that he got <laughs> wilbur marshall running that fumble back in the snow i can't think it was against the la rams Mike Singletary, Richard Dent, Otis Wilson, Dave Durison, you know, them barking. Oh, I love that, man. Gary Fenzik, Mike Dicker, and Buddy Ryan. Also, sorry, Chicago fans, the Miami Dolphins, the one team that's been undefeated, uh, they had an undefeated season. They were the ones who put you all to bed just one day on Monday night, Monday night football, the only loss that they had in that 85-15-1 season. We've been talking about 80s teams, talking about the 49ers. We, we talked about the Giants, Washington, the Broncos. Combine those teams, just those teams alone, 13 conference championships, 12 Super Bowls in the 1980s. The Bears were in three NFC championship games in a five-year span. The 85 Bears, they won the Super Bowl in one of the most lopsided games in NFL history, uh, in Super Bowl history, that is, 46-10 against the New England Patriots. Its first championship since, what, 1963. A couple weeks ago, we had talked about the 80s New York Giants, and they went 30 years since their last championship between You know, that 86 season, they went all the way back. That last one that they won was actually in 1956 against the Chicago
1: Bears.
0: Two teams uh, they were at, at Wrigley Field for the 1963 NFL Championship. The 63 Bears mirrored the 85 Bears. They were all about defense. They had four Hall of Famers, they had five Pro Bowls, and we're talking about guys like Doug Atkins, Richie Pettibone, Bill George, Rosie Taylor, and Joe, uh, how do you say his name, um, Fortunato. They only allowed 144 points all season long. They forced 54 turnovers. 54. All the starting defensive backs had at least six interceptions. Sound familiar? Offensively, though, the Bears were challenged. Their quarterback, Billy Wade, and then I think it was their fullback Joe Marconi. They were pole bowlers with the offense, and they ranked 10th out of 14 teams. 10th. They did have one on pro, and that was tight end Mike. Dicker, who was a rookie. The Bears won that game at Wrigley, 14 to 10, and that was off of two pick sixes. Chicago picked off Hall of Fame quarterback, Y.A. Tittle five times,
1: five,
0: five times, not nine, five times, the Bears defensive, yeah, that movie was filmed in Chicago too, It was based around Chicago, yeah, Ferris Bueller. the Bears defensive success was due to one George Allen yes the same George Allen that coached the Rams in Washington defensive end Ed Obranovich uh he had said that the reason that they were so good was because of Allen he was big he was moved to defensive coordinator what Allen's approach was it was pressure blitzing when nobody else was doing that at the time not just linebackers corners and safeties as well god does that sound familiar by 1966 allen had landed his first head coaching job with the la rams (laughs) subsequently and it's easy to see where this was going george hallis's 63 bears team they foreshadowed the future period but he didn't know it at the time that this would be the last time he would be an nfl champion that his team would be in an nfl championship game while he was still living. From 1964 to 1981, 18 long, hard seasons. They went through four head coaches. They only made the playoffs twice. They only had four winning seasons. Oh, and they had a 500 year, uh, They was mi- it was mixed in. The lone star that they had was drafted in 1975 from out of Jackson State, Walter Pate. You ever played the first Tecmo Bowl? I mean, not Super Tecmo Bowl that came out in 1991. I'm talking about the first Tecmo Bowl that came out in like 88, you know, based off you know, 89. There were like four running, it was only four plays, two running plays and two passing plays for most teams. Well, the Bears offense in those days with Walter Payton, three running plays and one passing play, period. (laughs) That's what it was. In the 1970s alone, the Chicago Bears record 60 83 and one and the owner george hallis he had to do something now going back to mike dicker he should have retired a bear but and it's it's not exactly a secret george hallis was cheap now dicker you know in him they had it out over money And he ended up in Philly, and then he ended up in Dallas. He even actually won a Super Bowl with Dallas, Super Bowl VI to be exact. He was a part of the 71 Dallas Cowboys. He ended up becoming a Dallas assistant on both Super Bowl teams uh, with Tom Landry. Now, here's a little examination, like I said, how this Bears of the the 85 Bears were built, okay? Before Dickhead got there, 1978, there was a guy by the name of Buddy Ryan that was brought in. Okay, After four years of high school, this is going all the way back to the 50s, three stops in college, Buddy Ryan was the defensive line coach for the 68 New York Jets. Yes, the same 68 Jets that were Super Bowl, well, champions (laughs) against the Baltimore Colts. Yeah, he was the defensive line coach. And then he moved on in in 76 and 77. He was the D-line coach for the Minnesota Vikings, Purple People Eaters. Yeah, the defensive line alan page jim marshall doug sutherland carl eller yeah those guys by 78 he had gotten hired by Hallis to be the chicago bears defensive coordinator so he got a promotion right then there was a letter to, that was written to george hallas because their coach at the time neil Armstrong, neil armstrong had been fired and he was about to clean everybody out everybody get out just league pads i'll find new players i'll find well not new players but <laughs> i'll get a new coaching staff well there was a um a letter that was written by the the bears defensive players that basically say hey look do what you will with everybody else but buddy ryan is somebody that we need we love buddy and we think that he is one of the coaches that does need to stay and it worked He ended, he ended up staying in 1982 Hallis hires the former Pro Bowl tight end. Apparently, they let bygones be bygones. And I think that even Mike Dicker had actually written a letter. Yes, he did, to George Hallis saying, hey, look, uh, you know, I would like basically, I would like to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears. And I know that what we've had in the past, you know, so they squashed everything, you know, through this letter and through their meeting. And he was hired. He was hired in 1982 and of course the kicker was is that Dicker was only making $100,000 a year which was the lowest of every head coach in the league at the time So, but the key about Mike Dicker he knew what it looks like to be a championship team he knew what it was like as a Super Bowl champion himself as well as being a, a coach coach and player so he had three championships to his credit. Two with the Cowboys and one with the 63 Bears. So, I mean, he let alone win, he knew what it took to be a champion. You know, from 73 to 81, he spent with Dallas. <coughs> excuse me. And with of course, the Hall of Fame head coach the hat himself Tom Landry. So, they won Super Bowl uh it was Super Bowl 6 in 1971. And they had appearances in 75, 77, and 78 and they won one of those, he lost to the Steelers twice, yeah, whole hum and they were great games. But he was assistant coach on there. And that same you know, mentality, he was gonna be able to translate into the Bears because they had a losing mentality. They had went through some some stuff, right? That same year, they had brought in, they drafted Jim McMahon out of BYU. You know, he shows up with a beer <laughs> during the press conference. That was classic Jim McMahon, never changed. Um, it is to be noted though, That Hall of Fame GM, Jim Finks, he had arrived in Chicago in 1974. He actually missed the 74 draft, but he would draft in 1975. Uh, He, along with scouts Bill Tobin and Jim Palmer, they are credited with helping to build those 80s Bears, right? And of course, his first draft pick, his first ever selection was Walter Payton. Uh, 76, they brought in Gary Spencick. 79, Dan Hampton, 1980. Otis Wilson and Steve McMichael, who was a free agent, cast off from the New England Patriots. In 81, you had Mike Singletary and Leslie Frazier. And then the 83 draft, which turned out to be Jim Fink's final draft, he had brought in Jimbo Covert, who was, you know, the left tackle uh, that played in Pittsburgh. Full, uh, you know, he was blocking for Dan Marino back in the day in college. Um, Then there was Willie Galt, the speedster out of Tennessee, and Richard Dent from TSU, Tennessee State University. Big John Merritt, and black colleges had great players. And yes, soon you're gonna hear about them. But they had some really big time black players that were in these HBCUs, okay? Historically black colleges for the uninitiated. And Richard Dent turned out to be a pro football Hall of Famer. He was one of the greatest ever, okay, out of TSU. And also dave Durson. in 84 they brought in wilbur marshall and in 85 the fridge william perry out of clemson who buddy ryan did not want he did not want him because he felt it was like this dude is fat but Fridge was an athlete he was a bona fide athlete i read in one book uh that they had they, he showed off his athleticism i'm um, even just throwing a football i think uh let me see if i remember this correctly Dan Hampton threw it 48 yards. Um, I'll just tell you what I remember. McMahon threw it 60. And uh, Walter Payton, I think, threw it like 78 yards or something like that. But Fridge threw it 82 yards. Oh <laughs> I mean, yeah. He, he ended up earning a starter spot because Dick wanted to draft him, but he did not. He drafted him anyway. And Buddy uh, would not put him on the defensive line. He ended up losing some weight. And it turned out to be better for the defense. This is coming from Buddy Ryan. And before that, Dicker was using them on offense, running the football, throwing the football, even catching the football, right? So, you know, the season itself in 1985, you know, they finished 15-1. Of course, the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football gave the Bears their only blemish of the season. They were the number one defense in football. In everything, offensively they were number two in points, seventh in yards. Walter Payton had a 1,500-yard season, uh, and he also led the team in receptions. And he was an All-Pro along with Richard Denton, McMichael, and Singletary. They had Pro Bowlers. Jim McMahon made the Pro Bowl. So did Olus Wilson, uh, Dan Hampton, and Dave Durson. The Bears were the first team in league history to shut out both of their playoff opponents. They beat the Giants 21 to nothing. Uh, the la rams and a matter of fact i think that giants game that was that was the game that sean gale picked up uh i suppose it i guess it was supposed to be a fumble but sean landetta the punter for the giants actually whiffed on kicking the ball. it kind of barely grazed the side outside side of his right foot but he pretty much whiffed the punt so yeah that didn't end well for the giants um and then they beat the rams 24 to nothing in the NFC Championship game. I think they held Eric Dickerson to like 46 yards rushing after he ran for like 246 yards or something like that against the Cowboys the week before. So they shut that down and uh, the quarterback, God, I can't remember his name. He only threw for 66 yards. That defense was dominant and, yeah, it, it, and it showed, okay? Chicago, they put a ball in that great season with that 46 to 10 beatdown of the New England Patriots who had upset the Miami Dolphins in the AFC Championship game. God, I would have loved to have seen Dan Marino and that offense playing against the Bears and that defense. I would love to have seen that again. Just, God, I just wonder if. I I really, I really do. The Patriots, they weren't ready. They were playing the Super Bowl shuffle in the the Superdome during the game. Who does that? You don't know what the Super Bowl shuffle was? That's the video, the music video that the Chicago Bears made, the team made. (laughs) This is what during the season i got the cd in my in, in my bookshelf <laughs> one of the books i bought actually still has a brand new cd that's attached to it via the uh, chicago tribune so they knew they was going to win that game there was no way the patriots were going to win that game not a chance in hades did they have well after all that greatness right there's the aftermath right i just want what happened what in the world happened uh truth be told I mean outside of listening to my show or any other show i mean if you watch jason hey jason hair great director and, and and uh you know a movie guy uh the espn 30 for 30 that was on the 85 bears he pretty much gave you the key uh one of the keys to it so dicker became coach in 1982 so there's several factors here the bears were three and six in their strike year and they were eight and eight in 1983. Then they took off. 84 they were ten and six. 85 they went 15 and one. They won Super Bowl 20, and they will reach the playoffs in the the next five of of the last seven years that Dicker was with the team. The success of 85 led to a lot of endorsements, as stuff often does. Commercials they want you to do. I don't care if it's local and it's low, you know, something small and low, or something as big as McDonald's or whatever. The Bears were involved. I mean, the kickers, you know, you had Mike Dicker who would basically say not to let stuff go to your head. Ooh, yeah, he was in some commercials, right? Uh, Yeah, so it, it, it led to a lot of endorsements. And this actually ultimately is highlighted in that 30 for 30 that it led to jealousy and strife among the players. Even Mike Dicker, yes. In other words, money, money. It was on and off the field money i'm talking about on the field i'm talking about with the team as well as off the field with the endorsements in 86 they were 14-2 they were supposed to go back they were supposed to go back here's why they didn't one of the main reasons why they did week 12 november 23rd 1986 against the packers okay green bay packers one of the dirtiest players in nfl history turned out to be and i think he was named one of those because of this one play alone so charles martin who's a, a defensive lineman for the, um, for the Green Bay Packers. He shows up to the game with this, he's waving a white towel. And this white towel, which he puts in his pants, has the numbers of uh, several offensive players for the, for the Chicago Bears. The numbers have Jim McMahon. He's got Walter Payton, 34. Jim McMahon, number nine. He's got Willie Galt, who wore, wore 83. It's Jay Hilgenberg, who was the center number 63 and uh, Dennis Gentry who wore number 29 and this is all according to FoxSports.com's Barry Werner. It was a hit list it was his hit list and he got one of them who did he get? Jim McMahon after uh, I think it was an interception he just grabbed McMahon from behind and just slammed him into the turf on his shoulder that was already he already had a partially torn rotator cuff and he was done for the season what did they do instead of put it in i think it was was it uh um steve walsh hold on not walsh it was uh steve fuller or mike tomzak they went and signed uh flutie flakes yeah a uh, doug flutie yeah mr heisman they went and signed him instead of playing one of the the quarterbacks that actually knew the offense and it didn't turn out too well not at all they ended up losing uh in the playoffs to the washington football team mcmahon you know like i said another reason was you know that they lost their quarterback he couldn't stay healthy he got chicago back to the to the playoffs eventually uh his last game was what the 28-3 loss to the eventual super bowl champion san francisco 49ers in the nfc championship game was january of 1989 and then you know he ended up playing elsewhere now the number one reason a lot of the players from the 30 for 30 documentary said that the bears only have one title Was because Buddy Ryan left for Philadelphia. His last game was the Super Bowl. He left for Philly. He knew it. He had told them pregame, broke it to him, and said, Yes, that they were leaving. And of course, everybody goes goes nuts in a very angry, violent way. And so I think some players were crying. Uh, That defense had a serious love for Buddy Ryan, just period, point blank. They they love that man. They rather him had been the head coach, but there's reasons why he probably should not have been. So the only problem with that is that the McCaskies, you know, the the owner, because George Hallis had passed away in 1983. The daughter of George Hallis, Virginia McCaskey, uh, she became owner uh, after Papa Bear passed away in 83. And I'm not saying, but I'm just saying that she may have been pinching Penny just like her father. He didn't like paying players top dollar. And I also understand that not every owner of gm can afford to pay everybody top dollar but you know it's impossible but if all those players on that defense were at buddy ryan they would have been willing to take a pay cut right and yeah i would say they would have won multiple super bowls but some of those guys left because of money they left the team so that's what it was but as far as the rest of them starting that quarterback of course like i said jim mcmahon he ended up you know, moving on, he played with the Chargers, the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, but he, he even won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers as Brett Favre's backup in 1996 in, in New Orleans. <laughs> Go figure that. Willie Gault, you know, he was traded away to the Raiders after the 88 season. Walter Payton, he retired in 87. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame running back. You know, the, at the time, the NFL's all-time leading in He had announced back in 99 that he had a rare liver disease. And he later died of bowel duct cancer later on that le- that year at the age of 45. You know, some of the most prominent offensive players. Um, and then also it was like, uh, of course, Jimbo cover he played his entire career. I think it was just eight years. He ended up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame himself in 2020. Um, but the, the heart of that team was the defense. 87, oldest Wilson. Only Pro Bowlers of his career was in 85. He left the Bears after 1987. He had something to do with money. Uh, he sat out 88, he had a lot of injuries. He played one game in 89 with the Raiders, then he retired. Wilbur Marshall, contract issues. He left the Bears as a free agent to join Washington. Becoming the first free NFL free agent in 11 years to sign with another team. And he became the highest paid defensive player in the NFL at the time. Okay. That was, that's wow, you know. Eighty-nine, Dave Durison, he he was that was his last year, um, and he joined the New York Giants of all teams, and they won the Super Bowl in nineteen ninety, and uh, he finished his last three years uh, with the Phoenix Cardinals. Of course, you know he had committed suicide in twenty eleven. He, he was suffering from CTE. Very sad story. I couldn't even finish reading it, man. Um, in ninety, Dan Hampton, who retired, he had several knee surgeries. I even read in the spot where he actually signed uh i think in 1989 to have one more year where he was i forgot the amount but he was if he played every game he would get paid but if he missed one game he would not he finished the season started all 16 games played in all 16 games 1992 mike singletary you know that was his last year pro football hall of fame ended up being the coach of the uh San Francisco 49ers, it didn't really work out that well, but uh, one of the greatest linebackers in NFL history. Uh, A lot of this was was retirement, but some of it was because of the money. Ron Rivera, he wrapped up his career um, in that same year, worked in television in Chicago. Then he went on to coach with the Eagles, the Bears, and the Chargers before he was head coach of the Panthers. Of course, he's still head coaching in Washington. William Perry, He was traded to Philly mid-season in 1993, and he retired a year later. Uh, In 93, Steve McMichael, once he left pro football, he became a pro wrestler. (laughs) And Richard Dent, he actually had left also in 93. Um, Ended up winning the Super Bowl with the 49ers, the 94-49ers. That was a star-laden team, kind of like reminiscent of the Rams of last year where they got Von Miller and ended up bringing in – uh, bringing in the best corner back in the league and Jalen Ramsey. And, you know, maybe this year they are bring in. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Christian McCaffrey, maybe he should. But uh, he ended up back with the Bears in 95 and uh, eventually finished his career. Uh, Leslie Frazier, though, was the most interesting of all of it. Uh, his final game, along with Buddy Ryan, as far as with the Bears, was also in Super Bowl 20. So was Jeff Fisher, by the way. <laughs> but uh, uh, he tore his ACL on a trick punt return. I didn't know that. Uh, It was a botched play, it was a trick play because the guy who actually called it, uh, caught it, uh, his name, he called for a fair catch, Keith Ortego, but he handed the ball to Leslie Frazier anyway. Frazier's left foot got caught in that Superdome, I can't talk, Superdome turf, and he blew his knee out. And this happened in the second quarter. He was told to change in his street clothes, you know, while he was in the back in the locker room because he was done. And what's more, uh, that he couldn't even go to the victory parade, uh, you know, in Chicago because it was too cold for his knee. You know, couldn't do it. Frazier had reconstructive knee surgery, and 18 months later, he was still trying to make a comeback. He couldn't pass the physical, though. That was the sad part about it. The scar tissue in his knee did not allow him to regain his full range of motion and his career was over as a player so he almost immediately went into coaching and uh you know he's still coaching to this day you know he's had a head coaching job i believe it was with the minnesota vikings but he's been i believe since 2017 he's been the defensive coordinator for the buffalo bills and they've done nothing but just get better and better and better and my money's on the Bills, you know, to collect that uh, Lombardi Trophy this year, and that defense will be a really big part of it uh, to go along with Josh Allen. But say what you want about Buddy Ryan and Mike Dicker, because uh, Dicker was fired, I think, after the '92 season. I uh, said, I think they went what eight and eight, and he was out of there. You know, Buddy Ryan, Mike Dicker, they never won another playoff game after that '85 season. Isn't that interesting? And it was because they were they were together. These two clashed, did not like each other. Buddy Ryan did not want Mike Dicker in any of his defensive meetings or anything. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I get it. And he was he was mad. And I don't know if all the defenders felt exactly the same way towards Mike Dicker. But you know, that was the only time ever at the end of a Super Bowl where two coaches got. The ride of their life. And I could totally understand why Buddy was. I mean, it's multi, multiple reasons why. One, they knew that was his last game. He was going to coach the Philadelphia Eagles. And then two, it was just as much that defense as it was, you know, Dick and that offense. So, I mean, that's what it was. Neither one of those coaches ever won a playoff game again uh, once they left Chicago in '85. That is crazy. Anyway, that's it. References thanks to ProFootballHallofFame.com, ProReference, excuse me, ProFootballReference.com, StadiumTalk.com. Where are the 85 Chicago Bears now? This was written by Ross Kelly on February 1st, 2019. Also, SportsMockery.com, Jim Finks, the forgotten man who saved Chicago Bears football. It's just so interesting that he was gone after 1983. His best draft for Chicago. Really interesting. Uh, This was written by Eric Lambert, June 27th of 2019. Also, FoxSports.com. 30 years ago, Bears Packers featured the dirtiest hit in NFL history. Barry Warner. This was November 15th, 2016. SportsIllustrated.com or SI.com. Super Bowl injuries. What it's like to get hurt in the game of your life. This one written by Jenny Vrentas, January 12th, 2016. Also, the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, The 85 Bears. God, I just love 30 for 30s. Also, a couple of books, America's Game, the NFL at 100. Written, co-written by Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams. Also, the Sporting News Complete Super Bowl Book, 1993 edition. Editors, Tom Diner, Joe Hopple, and Dave Sloan. And also, the Chicago Tribune's The 85 Bears still Chicago's team that's it this has been the, Sh- the Chicago Bears this has been the behind the mic podcast Man, I've been misspeaking all show long please please forgive me <laughs> I'm your host Michael Neal Jr this show has been presented by Belly Up Sports Belly Up Sports Podcast Network also bellyupsports.com go on it click on it read the stories uh, listen to the shows but you better listen to mine first <laughs> and I mean all of it You can catch all of us on our home base of Spreaker, also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Yeah, tell everybody about this show, and you better tell them to listen to all of it, or yeah, I'll find your house. I'm out.